Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. It is the BFF's podcast, Buckeye Football Fridays, Buckeye Future Fridays. Man, it's only been like a month. I'll get it. Buckeye F- Friday Futures. Yeah. It's a, the recruiting podcast. The recruiting that. podcast. Yeah. We didn't want to just call it the recruiting podcast. That would have been too basic. And now I can't ever remember what we actually did call it. I'm Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com. He's Stephen Means. We do know what we're talking about, we think, other than what the actual name of the podcast is. But this is our weekly shot every Friday where we talk about Ohio State football recruiting. And this week, we actually want to catch everybody up on something that Stephen's already been doing on our site, cleveland.com slash OSU. You can go there every morning. And he has up another what we call recruiting battles. This is something he and I did last year where we basically went step by step, player by player through the remaining candidates or top candidates for Ohio State's at the time 2021 recruiting class and kind of broke down, you know, who are the other main contenders? Actually, maybe I should let you describe it, Stephen, now since you're the one doing it. But I guess just how what are you trying to give people some insight into with each of these battles. Yeah, I think because of the way Ohio State is recruited, there comes a time when I don't even want to call it a quiet zone for Ohio State because you never really know. Some, I mean, we learned last year you might get a commit on a Monday and then the 24 hours later another kid recruits. But because they've done so much of their work early, there is a point where you kind of have to take a step back and just reset. And – zero allow fans and readers to focus in on okay this is now that Ohio State has clearly established themselves within a class and within a cycle here is where the focus is between now and the early signing period here are the 30 to 40 guys that they're hoping to turn into anywhere from eight to 12 commits obviously some of these guys are higher on Ohio State than others but the idea is to to zero in the focus and so that you know who to pay attention to when things happen. When you see this kid put out a top 12, you should expect to see Ohio State's name on it. When a guy zeroes in on his top three come July, you should know that all right, at this point in the process, he's probably not considering Ohio State, and so I can put my focus elsewhere. And so it's just a way to 
kind of guide fans on who they should be paying attention to as Ohio State tries to close out a class that already has 11 commits in and is probably looking to add eight or nine more at the most? How many recruiting battles do you think actually are battles? And you know what I'm saying? As opposed to when I observe recruiting, I see a lot of situations where for in-state kids for Ohio in Ohio that that want to come to Ohio state and Ohio state offers them not really a battle. Even when you're talking about higher ranked recruits, guys out there on the national level, I'm wondering how many times is it where you think like in your mind, like both of these coaching staffs are thinking what's Ohio state doing and Ohio state singing what's Clemson doing and, and trying to like match pace for pace, how much they're contacting a kid, what they're telling a kid, and how much of it is just every school puts up their best offer and tries to develop a relationship. And it's not so much a battle. It's just that whichever one that the kid feels most comfortable with and, and likes the most is where they go to school. I think it becomes a, a battle when you start seeing momentum shift all over the place within a short time period. Tristan Lee in the 2021 recruiting class, the five-star tackle, is the prime example of that. Not necessarily in an Ohio State way, but just there were points when it was Clemson who was the favorite, then LSU was the favorite, then Oklahoma was the favorite, and then Clemson again, who obviously ended up winning out there. That's a battle to me when it's all – Damani Jackson, when it's at some point – it's there's various times in the recruitment where it feels like if, if the school can just get that kid on campus, a commitment is coming. Keon Gray's was not that. This was simply Ohio State zeroed in on a kid who just so happened to be committed somewhere else. But the moment he decommitted from Arizona, we knew that eventually this kid was going to be a, a future Buckeye, whether it was two weeks after he decommitted from Arizona or if it, as it ended up being about four months afterward once he was able to get on campus. But th- there's different ways. A, a battle is when you see the momentum all over the place. That's when it's – because you're not really sure, and the kid's clearly not even sure what he wants, and which is why they use these – you see those kids take their time and allow some of that momentum to cool before they actually pop a decision, like we saw with Keon Gray's like – the. Crystal balls, ro- balls rolled in the moment he decommitted from Arizona with Quinn Ewers. The crystal balls rolled in the moment he committed, he decommitted from Texas, but they didn't jump on it right away. They let things cool down and make sure it was making the right decision. So that's the difference for me is there's a difference between progression within a recruitment versus momentum is all over the place where no one's really sure how this is going to turn out. This, like I said, the second year in a row that we've done this series, and it seems to me that a team is in good shape like we'll just say Ohio State because that's who we do this about Ohio State is in good shape if it gets a bunch of recruit it gets a bunch of commitments before they get to the level where you would be writing a recruiting battle piece about them right like you want to have and in this case they already have 11 before we started this series this year for 2022 so maybe half the class locked up or committed before you even start talking about so this is really like who's left yeah it becomes a Ohio State's put themselves in a position to be greedy and maybe spend some time on a national kid that if some of these kids weren't already locked up, you'd have to be spending more time. 2017, Josh Myers, Wyatt Davis is a prime example of that. Because you got Josh Myers locked in so much earlier than you, than you would expect with a top 50 guy, Greg Stradawa could take that time that he, should, he maybe would have been spending with Josh Myers and go out to California and spend it with Wyatt Davis. It's the same concept here. Because you've got C.J. Hicks and Gabe Powers and Desan McCullough locked up so early, a guy like Sean Murphy, who has already been one of the recruiting battles that's been published for us, you can spend a lot more time on him trying to get that fourth linebacker because you know those guys are set. 
They're not going anywhere. And as a matter of fact, they're going to help you recruit a, guy, a kid like that. So that, yeah, that's what it boils down to is if we're in a position every March around March, April to be, I have 31 recruiting battles I can throw out there in a month. That means Ohio state's in a pretty good position because a lot of those battles aren't going to be with Ohio guys. They're going to be national guys. So some of these are battles and some of them are positions of great need. And that's where I wanted to start today as we break down some of these individually. Walter Nolan, defensive tackle, Cordova, Tennessee. They're going to have to, in order for Ohio State to get them, and there are a few positions of need, bigger need than defensive tackle for the 2022 class. In order for Ohio State to get this guy, a five-star guy, a, a major national crew, they're going to basically have to beat Alabama head-to-head for a kid that I know it's it's Tennessee may even, Cordova, Tennessee may be as close to Columbus as it is to Mm-hmm. Alabama I don't know but it's it's a kid from the south like let's just say like it's a kid from the south so is that how you see this play like it, it, you're kind of Ohio State's gonna have to go in and a little bit win this on not Ohio State's home turf or Alabama's home turf I should say but uh, on their battlefield at least a little bit it actually is a little more complicated than what we're seeing with JT Tumalau because that's this is an up in the air situation there's no favor or momentum towards any school at this point with JT Tumalau there's at least been a year worth of crystal ball sending him to Ohio state. It's just, can they get him on campus with this guy? It's, it's what, obviously he, he cut down his list. Like you see most kids do, but this is a long haul one. This is, it's, it's, it's JT, it's AC Latham. This isn't that situation either where Ohio said all the, had all the momentum and Alabama stole him away. Both of these, both of those schools, Clemson, uh, Michigan, LSU, all down the list, everybody's on equal footing still. And so that's a real battle because no one is ahead of anybody. And when you're talking about top five players in the country, uh, this kid might commit in July or he might wait up until signing day to do so. And it's because he's in a position to be able to make that decision. I'm trying to remember the last time Ohio State went head-to-head against Alabama for a kid from the southern states. I mean, Baron Browning was maybe an example, but you're going back now five years for him, four years for him. Anybody more recent than that that I'm forgetting where they went head-to-head and won? I think Chase Young comes to mind where it was okay. Alabama, Ohio State, and then staying home and going to Maryland. That's a big get. Um, that's Larry Johnson using that DMV re- uh, relationships. That but that's he has not a there. southern kid, though. That's not – I mean, Maryland no, it's is – it's, 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 that, that, That's hard. And, it, and it's especially with the SEC territories. But when you start talking about Alabama kids as well, which obviously we'll, at some point we'll get into with some of these 2023 kids like Tony Mitchell – that's not a, not one that comes off the top of my head. I think he's the closest, and even that, that's still more East Coast than it is Southern. Another huge position of need is safety. You've recently did a, a position battle or a, a recruiting battle on Keon Sab, who's an athlete, but who everyone projects is probably playing safety. Um, he's at IMG now by way of New Jersey. Obviously, Ohio State has kind of an IMG, I don't know if you'd say pipeline, but certainly a <laughs> <There's> um, <laughs> an established connection with IMG that's brought them several players over the years. So where do you kind of, and he's a guy who's his recruitment also seems very wide open at this point. So how do you see a program like Ohio state? I keep saying that as if I'm not talking about exactly about Ohio state. How do you see Ohio state weighing the safety need, like kind of the urgent safety need it has with this class against the, the waiting game of a recruit uh, with this high of a profile a guy who's ranked this highly. Yeah, I think there are two guys who are probably who can fill that need. The other one's Abraham Namka. He's coming up soon. He'll be within the next week. You guys will be seeing him come across your site. But I think with that safety spot, the one that you've obviously 
harping on them. That's what they need. They need a true free safety to play that single high guy, not somebody that they can turn into that, like how Jansen Dunn was recruited to play that role. It's the same thing with Xavier. It's the same thing with Keon Saab, where it's very clear that in talking to them, they are being recruited for that role. And they'll say, yeah, that fits what I can do. I can go sideline to sideline and be the eraser back there. And so I, I think it's a balance of the way – with it, because of how recruiting is now, I think these kids understand it's even more important that when you feel comfortable, you've got to pull the trigger and you've got to claim your spot, especially since you can't take visits and you're not really sure when you're going to be able to do a lot of that stuff. And so I think if those are the two people I would keep an eye on, but he would, Keon Sab would be second on that list. And it still might be a little bit of a gap because that is a little bit more wide open. He did just transfer from a New Jersey school down to IMG as the guy who was the top safety in the country and now is the top athlete in the country. So his options, he can wait around. When you're top 15, he can wait around. While with Xavier, it might be a situation where he could be just like Keon Gray's where get him on campus and then he's in the class. And Xavier is the, the player from Iowa? Correct. He'd be the first player from Iowa. It's interesting. They keep getting safeties from places for the first time like Josh Proctor and that would be I just think that's an interesting one because you're talking about the footprint of the Big Ten which I guess mm -hmm. technically were when Keon Tab was in New Jersey as well now that he's at IMG but I just find that to be always an interesting dynamic between when a team needs a safety so bad I mean they they've got Jansen Dunn coming in or who is in but they have nobody else committed for this 2022 class and that just still seems to be either that or defensive tackle um, or another position we're going to get to in the second break here second segment a position where they have nobody and need somebody for this class like desperately need somebody for this class yeah you've got 11 guys but I don't know how much need you've checked off on this list already obviously you want you need a quarterback in every class so you got that with Quinn Ewers they I don't know if you needed wide receivers <laughs> given how they've recruited but they went and got two top 100 caliber wide receivers because Keon Graves will probably be that by signing day. They still need defensive backs and corners. So obviously Jair Brown and Jaheim Singletary, they qualify as that. And this had to be the linebacker reset group. And so they did that. But it's there's still a lot. And we, we keep talking about how this is going to be a small class. And that might be the case. But if it's going to be a small class, they need – their needs are players who need to be able to play right away, not necessarily the developmental guy where it's, oh, we've got the top, the 171st best player in the country who filled a need, but also he gives the, the room depth. No, we need a guy like a Walter Nolan of the world, the Keon Sabs of the world, some of these other guys that we're going to be discussing coming up here after the break. We need those guys who they're going to early enroll with the expectation that come August, they're going to be on the field. We're going to talk a lot more about positional need and, and who's still on the board for 2022 because I think there's some really interesting contrasts there. After we come back from this break, you're listening to the BFFs podcast with Buckeye Talk. We're back on the BFFs recruiting podcast with Buckeye Talk. Steven has these up. Like I said, we're doing them every morning now for at least the next few weeks. How many of them are you doing in total, Steven? I have 31 of them, one for 31. every day in March so far, as long as nobody commits. As long as nobody Not commits. But, but from what I remember last year, we had some guys who kind of jumped on the back end of that list too right. as things sort of changed. So roughly 30 of these we're going to do. You need about a month of these total. Yeah. The one that went up Monday morning is on receiver C.J. Williams. We're going to come back to him in a second. But if you click on whatever the most recent one is at cleveland.com slash OSU or, or, or Steven tweets them out too, the – he includes links to all the ones he's done so far. So you can see a rundown of every single one of these uh, recruiting battles that he's doing. 
I want to talk about offensive tackle, which I think is another huge position of need, maybe not as stark as those two defensive positions we're talking about, but you've mentioned many times about this kind of this practice Ohio State has of every other year getting a it's hard to say five star because you never know how many five stars are going to be out there, but a a an offensive tackle of significance, a, a highly ranked offensive tackle, and they've got a couple in their sights. You've you've already done a recruiting battle on Zach Rice, who is out of Lynchburg, Virginia. Is he the OSU focus, or where does he compare to the other options they're looking at for that position for 2022? I, I don't think he's the top focus. The top focus is obviously Keontae Goodwin, who is well on his way to five-star status. But he is 1B, 100% at this point. I mean, he's the number one tackle in the country out of Virginia, where Ohio State's had some success getting five stars in the recent years, Travion Henderson. In 2021 comes to mind, Talik Williams was a five-star, but he was the top 150 player in the country. Uh, obviously, you had the linebackers like Taraj Mitchell come out of there as well. So they've had their fair share of success out of there. But I do think since 2017, Ohio State's had this, this, this trend. It's, it's, it's not on purpose. It's just kind of working out this way, where in 2017, you got Wyatt Davis, the five-star guard, the number one guard in the country. In 2018 – uh, you got Nicholas Petit Frere, the number one tackle in the country, another top 10 player in the country. Then 2019, you came with Harry Miller, number one, the number two center of a five-star recruit, one, one of the best interior linemen in the country. 2020, you go get Paris Johnson. And I think at this point, everybody's pretty clear on what Paris Johnson's potential is as the number one tackle in that class. And then with 2021, obviously, you went and got Donovan Jackson out of Texas, who's technically an Ohio native, kind of made his way to Texas the same way Garrett Wilson did because his dad got a job down there, but the number one guard in that class. And obviously you missed out on J.C. Latham, the number one tackle. But given how the last few recruiting classes go, the idea should be in 2022, you go get a five-star tackle to keep on that pace of every other year you have a five-star tackle coming in and every other year you have a five-star interior lineman coming in. Keontae Goodman might be that. He's headed in that direction, but Zach Rice already is that. And so that, yeah, the number 21 player in the country, the number one tackle in the country, that's a high focus there. And given what his top five was, I think Ohio State's probably in good position to make it happen. I want to stay on the offensive side of the ball. Somebody I already mentioned, and it, it touches on something you were saying. They already have two wide receiver commits for the 2022 class, a position of where you wouldn't expect them to get nobody, but if they like completely whiffed on wide receiver recruiting in 2022, they'd still have some pretty good receivers that season. Again, they were going to take commitments. I'm not assuming that, but CJ Williams, a kid out of modern day California is a guy that you did a recruiting battle for not a guy that you think is going to end up at Ohio state probably at this point. Right. But would Ohio state take his commitment or a receiver commitment today when they already have 11 commitments for this class and two of them are receivers. And we don't know how much more this class is going to grow. I don't know if they would take one today, but I wouldn't say they won't take one before signing day. I think because of the job Brian Hartline has done, it becomes a back-end situation. If you, for the next six months, spend that time, you go get two tackles. You know, you go finish out your linebacker recruiting. You finish out your defensive sec – your secondary recruiting. Uh, you get the necessary – part. you go get your running back. because you, you, you don't need to go get a top 100 five-star, another Travion Henderson, but you do need to still go get a quality running back because you got two which put you back on track in running back recruiting. But if you want to keep that going, you still have to bring one in this year as well. You go get all those other pieces, and then closer to signing day, you look around at your roster and – the attrition that might come with that, but also you feel like you have some spots and CJ Williams is still on the board. Yes. 
I think if that happens around October, yes, I think they would take his commitment because at this point it's more of a want than a need. But you take that – I mean, you take a top 50 recruit if he wants to come play for you, and he's telling you that in October. But right now, no, I don't think they would take that commitment right now because it's not necessarily a need. I want to switch to the other side of the ball but kind of stay on the same theme because I think it came up in a couple other guys that you've done the recruiting battles for. And you explain this in, the, in these recruiting battle pieces because part of the reason we do these is because these are the names that you see out there. They're names that you see guys putting out sometimes Ohio State in their top well, I mean, there's kind of no limit to how much of a top list some of these guys will put out. But top 10, top 15, you'll see them attach Ohio State. And then now – but then the question becomes how realistic is a commitment there, not just because of how good the guy is, which Ohio State can usually get anybody from a talent perspective, but just what the fit is. So Sean Murphy, linebacker, Manassas, Virginia, another Virginia guy, as you said, Ohio State's had success there. Ohio State already has Reed Carrico coming in with this 2021 class. It has three linebackers committed to 2022 class. And those three guys, or at least the, the couple of them, they're kind of the ringleaders, are trying to bring Sean Murphy along. Why would a five-star linebacker like Sean Murphy come to Ohio State where you have that kind of logjam of talent developing at that position? I think because I don't know if he can't come in here and, and steal somebody's job. Obviously, I know Reed Carrico is a different conversation. That's a top 50 recruit. And that that's a – but – the 2019 linebackers, I know Craig Young's good, but I don't know if he's elite enough that a five-star can't take his job. I don't know if the guys they got in 2020 are elite enough that we wouldn't be having the conversation that, hey, can this five-star number one inside linebacker in the country come win a job as a freshman or at the very least be a starter in year two? I, I think there's a fit because he's the only inside linebacker in a group of three linebackers where one might end up being a bullet. One might end up with his hand in the dirt because he's not done growing. And the other one you can just kind of throw anywhere because he's Isaiah Simmons for this team and the way he's built. And so, yes, you have three linebackers, but because you're not really sure because they can do a lot of different things from a versatility standpoint, you're not really sure where they're going to end up. While with a guy like Sean Murphy, guys like Reed Carrico, you know what they're going to be. They're going to be Mike linebackers are going to be, you know, the quarterback of a defense. And so you can always take that guy. And he can know that knowing that he's not necessarily battling with Gabe Powers and, you know, CJ Hicks and Desam McCullough for his spot. He's battling with a guy who's not in his class, which is kind of how quarterback recruiting goes. If we're going to be honest here, you're, you're not necessarily always worried about another quarterback coming in with you with your class. That's a rare thing that Ohio State pulled off. You're only worried about the guys who came before you, and you're not even really worried about the guys who came after you. And so if the only person he's worried about is Reed Carrico, it's a good position for him to be in. Along those same lines, uh, another guy you did, Jaden Lucas, a cornerback of Malden, South Carolina. Ohio State has seven redshirt or true freshmen on the 2021 roster at cornerback. They have two commits for 2022 already at cornerback. How many more cornerbacks will it take? Do you think they need to still go get more talent for that? position i think they need to go get one more corner i I don't think it's going to be Jaden lucas i think i mean clemson's we if you've heard of clemson they're pretty good and uh he's he's from clemson's backyard which is why those crystal balls have been very strong but he is on that short list of targets that ohio state is, is going after but i would put him of the three that are left he's probably number three at this point denver harris was on that list until he updated and put out his top three and ohio state wasn't on it but he's worth mentioning but at this it's the same thing that you do with when kids put out these top sevens and top 25 and whatever 
there's no they say there's no order publicly, but there is an order. There are guys who are closer to number one, and there are guys who are closer to number twelve. On the list of targets, Jaden Lucas is probably closer to the bottom of the target list than he is the top of it, and that's fine. It's just it, he's still worth mentioning when we're going through this this process. Do you think they need to go get another one, or at least be in position to get another one, because those the two commitments they have could change? I I'm I think Jaheim Singletary is pretty set. I think he really loves Kerry Combs, and that relationship moved very fast. Some of that is shout out to. Um, Deshaun Wade's father, Randy Wade, who played a big role in that Jacksonville connection there. But uh, so I think that one's pretty set. Um, the, obviously, there's been some questions on how you know comfortable Jair Brown is being in the class, which is interesting given he was the first person to commit. I think that was a kid who he's from Ohio, but he spent the majority of his life in New Orleans, and he jumped on that commitment, and then he's transferring home, and he's it's it's a it's a process. That relationship with Kerry Combs and Matt Barnes is still a growing process. But as these days go by, you see him being a little bit more public and a little bit more, you know, outgoing with some of the other commits. You get a little bit more comfortable with that. That's fine. I don't because of that. He might develop into a top 100. He's borderline, and then Jaheim Singletary is going to continue to fight to be the number one cornerback in this class. What it, I don't think they need another top 100 corner necessarily, but I do think they need another corner, and they need to go find him the same way they found a guy like Keon Grays, where maybe right now he's in the 300s. But over the next three or four months here, you see him start creeping up those rankings. But because Ohio State got in so early, a guy like Ryan Turner, that's a guy to keep an eye on in a situation like this. One of the positions I wanted to touch on, you guys, you've already discussed, is defensive end. We had a question last week on this podcast about Anai White, a defensive end out of Philadelphia, and then uh, Omari Abor, a defensive end out of Texas, another guy that you've done a recruiting breakdown on. But as we've also talked a million times on Buckeye Talk, you've already got Jack Sawyer in the 2021 class, and you may be adding JT Tuomaloa if you're Ohio State to this class. So how bad does Ohio State need a defensive end, especially one of the, of that caliber? And do you think they're going to spend a lot of recruiting capital going after those kinds of guys for, for this class? A board, no white, maybe I, I, I think the last, as I pointed out in that recruiting battle, the last time that Ohio state, you know, brought in a five-star defensive end and back-to-back years, those guys ended up being Chase Young and Nick Bosa. That's, I mean, and that's Chase Young and Nick Bosa. Well, you don't really have to do that this time because your quote-unquote Chase Young and Nick Bosa might just be the same age and might both be on campus by August if JT Tumalau, if his momentum continues to trend towards Ohio State. And so because of that, this would just be – this is a complete one. And it's, it's, it's at the expense of Penn State once again. A guy that, 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 that's what really makes this interesting. If, if Penn State is, is, is serious about, you know, improving its recruiting standard from what it was last, last cycle where they let that many top 100 guys go everywhere but, but come, to, come to Penn State, if, if they really wanted to lock in and, and reestablish themselves as the power in their state, they do it with a guy like Nye White and don't let him come to Columbus. But for Ohio State – no, I think defensive end is if, if when we ranked the positions of need when we did that a couple podcasts ago, I think defensive end was closer to the bottom of that list to the top of the list. I might have had a 10th. So this is a complete one because it's a five star that you don't say no to if he wants to come here. But I, I, I doubt that one comes as well. Yeah, that is the, the other interesting wrinkle there, though. It's it's and where the battle becomes, I think, more focused. It's like we talk about like this potential battle between 
Texas and Ohio State that now that, you know, Ohio State had so much success recruiting that state and now Sarkeesian coming in and trying to maybe lock down the borders. And so, okay, so that's one example of where they're going to go would in, in another world would maybe be going more intensely head to head. But that Ohio State Penn State thing, ordering states, top of the Big Ten East year after year, like that, that is always going to exist. And that I think adds a really interesting wrinkle to that because they've been hammering away on, on Penn State, getting great players out of that state. We think they're going to be really good players, at least out of for the last couple of years. And as long as they can kind of keep, we've talked about this before, right? Like if you can just go in and get like one guy like that every year, that Penn State's supposed to have, but you take him anyway, it just, it's like the big brother, little brother thing. You've just got your head, your hand on their forehead, keeping them at arm's length. Is that, it's like how we talked about with Kyle McCord. It's, imagine if Kyle McCord was Penn State's J.J. McCarthy right now and he was expected to be their starting quarterback, how much more interesting that Penn State game becomes now. But instead, Kyle McCord is just one of many elite quarterbacks in the Buckeyes room and Penn State's going to have another year of Sean Clifford. Now, they did just get Drew Allar, who is continuing to rise in the rankings, a guy from Ohio, but I, that guy wasn't on Ohio State's radar. So that's what – as as – much improvement as a kid like that has shown over the past six months here. Penn State went and got a guy out of Ohio State's backyard that wasn't on the Buckeyes' radar, while Ohio State went to Penn State's backyard and, get a guy, and got a guy that everybody in the country wanted. It would be really fascinating if the season were starting with the Ohio State quarterback battle, plus J.J. McCarthy as a true freshman starting at Michigan, plus Kyle Cord starting as a true freshman at Penn State. That would be a really fascinating setup for the Big Ten East for like the next – few years although and then Quinn Ewers coming in over the top of that for mm-hmm. Ohio State obviously adds even another dimension but I, uh, I think Ohio State fans are glad that that is not happening and that they only have to worry about one of those guys you mentioned Drew Aller we're going to come back after the break and talk a little bit more about him because we're going to talk about the concept of the the in-state five-star recruit and why that's been so important to Ohio State and why it may continue to be crucial here in these coming seasons you're listening to Buckeye Talk All right, back with the final segment on the BFFs podcast today on Buckeye Talk. Uh, Steven mentioned Drew Allar, a four-star guy out of Medina, Ohio, number 257 overall. He committed to Penn State on Monday morning. As we said already, Ohio State already had its recruit, its quarterback recruit for 2022. On top of that, it's everybody's quarterback recruit for 2022. It's Quinn Ewers, who's the number one guy in the country. So they didn't really battle Penn State to get for the services of Drew Allar. So bridging beyond that, though, we, we had already, before this came up, we're talking about this concept, uh, what we're going to talk about today, the, uh, the five-star in-state guy. And Ohio State has had a pretty good run of them. Uh, go back to 2018, Jackson Carmen went to Clemson. So that was kind of the, the last time it didn't go Ohio State's way, pulling the in-state five-star guy and locking them down. Although Ohio State did have Jalen Gill and Tyreek Smith, both top 35 guys in that 2018 class. Again, sometimes the five-star, four-star Semantic, it's a little bit of a semantic argument. You, you can still be really elite and not technically have that fifth star. 2019, though, Zach Harrison comes to Ohio State. 2020, Paris Johnson comes to Ohio State. 2021, Jack Sawyer comes to Ohio State. 2022, even, you've already got uh, two guys in Gabe Powers and CJ Hicks who are kind of on the cusp of that ranking. They're in the 40s, I think, 30s, 40s, and could, I guess, in theory, still rise up and get a fifth star depending on where they cut that off this year. Why have you seen – why did you want to talk about this? Like, why do you see this as being a big dynamic? I think it's Ryan Day's recruiting philosophy. And it's not necessarily, oh, keep good players home. It's keep the best player home and make him your leader. 
and give him a job. You know, that's what it is. And it's been interesting to watch it. Obviously, you couldn't do that with Zach Harrison because of when Ryan Day got the job. But if you ask, I guarantee if you ask him who was the most important person he needed to talk to the moment he was hired as Ohio State, that they had that press conference saying he would be the new head coach, I guarantee you he said Zach Harrison was the most important guy. He was the last member to, jo- to join during the early signing period. He actually announced on signing day in a very quiet ceremony that – Shut the, that had the Olin Tangy orange on the type of lockdown you would expect at the White House. But you, and then you saw with Paris Johnson how important it was a kid who was always committed, but when Urban Meyer retired, retired, he acted as if he was decommitted. He took visits all through the spring. He went to Tennessee, a lot of other uh, SEC schools, and just acted as if he was because he, and he'll admit it, he didn't commit to Ohio State because he wanted to play for Ohio State. He committed to Urban Meyer which is what a lot of kids do when you, when you have a legendary head coach two and a half hours from your house, you commit to that coach. And so he had to re-recruit Paris Johnson and then turn him into one of the leaders of the class. And now you're seeing some of those attributes show up now that he's on the roster. I mean, I won't be surprised if Paris Johnson is a captain and by his third year or his, his third year. That just seems like the trajectory he's on right now. And then you saw it in the ultimate way with Jack Sawyer, who committed a month after Ryan Day officially took over the head coaching job on January 2nd literally a month after and had, and went to work recruiting the class. He didn't, he didn't visit anywhere else. He stopped talking to other schools. You saw him walk around Ohio state's campus that day camps all the time. He was at every home game. That's how he operated. And now they're trying to do the same thing here with CJ Hicks and Gabe powers where Gabe powers was a five-star when he committed to Ohio state. He since has dropped that ranking, but CJ Hicks is headed in that direction to be a five-star, which continues that trend of we're going to get the five-star committed as early as humanly possible. And then he's going to be tasked with building the class. And you've seen it with Jack Sawyer and the 2021 class seems to be the number two class in the country. The 2022 class right now is number one in the country. And we'll see what happens when Alabama rakes up. And then there are some guys, Luke Montgomery and Brendan Vernon in the 2023 class who might be five stars by the time those composite rankings come out. And then talking to Luke Montgomery and talking to his father, that's what they want for Luke. Obviously there's no rush for him to commit to the class, but Whenever that does come, if he chooses Ohio State, he's doing it with the understanding that you are now a leader in this class, and we want you to do what Jack Sawyer and C.J. Hicks and Paris Johnson did before you. And he has relationships with all those guys, so he understands that's what he's signing up for if he comes to Ohio State. You know, when you say leader, you're kind of talking about the, the, the lead recruiter among the players yeah. for that class. But I'm interested in the conversion of that player into a long-term leader for the program. Like the guy – coaches talk all the time about the importance of leadership, obviously. And I don't think a, a player can truly lead if they don't play. Like we've seen other guys come through Ohio State who get captaincies and – they have they, they, I'm not saying they don't contribute. I'm, I'm not saying it can't even be palpable at times. But when that guy can actually be on the field, like, for instance, I think Jonathan Cooper having the breakthrough kind of season he had this his final year and playing as well as he did had a greater impact than if he had had something similar to what we had maybe expected of him, which was to just sort of be more in the mix and not be the guy who was just counted on on almost, you know, seemingly it seemed like he had to be out there for every snap. He wasn't. But like, the, you know what I mean? Like he, yeah. instead of just being their best defensive end. And I think if you start that relationship early, I've seen it pay off in, in other sports. It's easy to see it happen in basketball, right? Where you might have a class that's only like four guys big, but like you'll talk to those guys on senior day and they'll look back and say like, Oh, so-and-so he was the guy that was like texting us during the summer before our freshman year saying, Hey, are you guys in the gym? Like who's working out? Like, is everybody committed? Like there's usually one of those guys that gets out in front and does those sorts of things. 
do you see evidence that that could also happen with some of these football recruits as well like I don't know if we've necessarily had someone say that about Zach Harrison yet I think we see that a little bit more from Paris Johnson some of those attributes it's probably gonna be case-by-case basis but I think it, it wouldn't surprise me if the Ohio State coaches I guess it's something we need to ask them if they see that kind of same dynamic like if we can put this guy out in front and have him be a guy that everybody is kind of looking up to and taking cues from before they ever even commit then what does that mean? What are, are they still following his example when he's one of the best players in the Big Ten or best players in the country? Yeah, I think you see the traits of a captain during the recruiting process. I think you're right. That shows up, and you need to tap into that as early as possible. We'll see with Zach Harrison. Obviously, they've shown some photos of him you know, speaking since when, when they're doing mat, mat drills and winter workouts and so much. It'll be interesting to see if he does end up being a captain when we get to the fall. But I, I do think it shows up during the recruiting process and you tap into it early, you heard, obviously court Williams is an Ohio guy, but you heard Ryan day say this on signing day that court Williams is a future captain. When I think there's some, when I asked Ryan day about Jack Sawyer, literally five days before we were actually allowed to ask him about Jack Sawyer, which is, which is always fun. The way he described it, I, I basically was asking him about Jack Sawyer being a franchise player and how that can translate into you know, once he gets on the roster, and I think you're right. You want it with Ohio guys, especially because they understand an Ohio tradition better than anybody else. But also, when you're playing, if you're if you're willing to, you know, buy into whatever the program is, everybody who's behind you has to fall in line as well, because they're not as good as you are. So there is something too. I think there's two types of really good leaders. There's the Chase Young, who is the Heisman Trophy candidate, the record breaker for sacks, and he's vocal and he's a leader who's also the best player on the team. And then every so often you get a CJ Saunders who's not going to play, but his, you know, claim is I don't play and I'm still, you know, every single day buying into this thing. So you have no excuse. Your leaders can't be the middle of the road guys. You're right. They have to be either the guys who are the best players on the team or guys who probably aren't playing because those are the guys where it means the most to them. You mentioned powers and Hicks. And I, I talked about, um, another five-star guy for 2022, Sean Murphy. They're two of the guys who are kind of leading that charge, right? Powers and Hicks have already kind of taken on these traits that you're talking about as far as leading the class. And they're, at least for that position group, they're the ones trying to go out and, and bring him in. And maybe also to Samakola to some extent too, although he's not an in-state guy. He's kind of like an out-of-state in-state guy. Yeah. 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 And they do it in their own ways. Obviously CJ Hicks and Samakola are a little bit more vocal with it. And every time something happens, they're tweeting out that picture of Dwayne Wade throwing the lob to LeBron James. And they're, they're just – but yeah, Gabe Powers is a little bit more quiet with it. He's a little bit more Jack Sawyer with it. Because Jack, if you really pay attention, Jack Sawyer isn't overly vocal on social media. He, he has Twitter and stuff like that, but he doesn't really use it that much. But if you talk to recruits, it's, yeah, Jack Sawyer is in my ear all the time. Yeah, Jack Sawyer is one of the most vocal guys, yada, yada, yada. In his own way – he was a leader. In Paris's own way, he was a leader. In CJ and Desan's own way, they're leaders. Gabe Powers is the same way. He's not overly he, – he, he'll tell you this. I'm not going to be overly vocal, vocal, but if you need me, I'm here. And th- that's what you want from your in-state guys when you get them locked in so early and why it's been so important for Ryan Day to have these five-star top 50 recruits 18 months before signing day because of what it can do and allow you to go national with your classes. So that's really more Buckeye football present. We need to talk about Buckeye football futures, hence the name of the podcast. So uh, mentor defensive end Brennan Vernon, is that the guy that this most applies to for 2023 as far as a guy that Ohio State could get to maybe sort of start to build that class around? 
I think he is the the gay power side of it in terms of he's not probably the most vocal guy. He doesn't do a lot of media. Like right now, he's not doing any media, which is understandable because he's probably thinking there's nothing more you can ask me, dude. I'm doing Zoom calls just like everybody else. But he's the one side of that. I think Luke Montgomery, mm-hmm. as the offensive lineman, is the, is the other side of that. He's going to be the vocal guy who has all these relationships already and is outgoing with it. And he's the guy you're going to see it. With Brennan Vernon, you'll probably if, – if, if these happen, obviously. With Brennan, it will probably be more you talk to other recruits about, hey, who's most vocal, and they'll go, Brennan Vernon, he's always talking. While with Luke Montgomery, you're going to see it, just like you see it with C.J. Hicks. And the way those two are being recruited, that's the understanding of if they decide to come along, that's what they're signing up to be. On both, and that's to Ryan Day's point. You want a guy on the offensive side of the ball, and you want a guy on the defensive side of the ball. In 2021, you didn't – you, you're off, your defensive side of the ball was an in-state guy in Jack Sawyer, while the offensive side of the ball was obviously Kyle McCord, who's from Pennsylvania. And in this class, and in the 2022 class, it's mostly the defensive guy again. Once again, is the Ohio State guy, the in-state guy, while the offensive side of the ball is a guy with a perfect 2.7 composite. I have a star rating, so that's fine. This 2023 class is where that philosophy can be. We want in-state five-star on both sides of the ball, and they're both going to be from two and a half hours from Columbus. So you'll see if both of those guys are in the class in the next six months, you'll see the ultimate version of what Ryan Day wants in those early commits. But I think that's an important distinction because all those things we were talking about before of like establishing those leadership qualities and having a, a class sort of like coalesce around a player I think that is really important it's more important for quarterback than it is any other position so if we've already seen yours in his way his kind of more remote limited way he's not necessarily I guess maybe recruiting the same recruiting the class the same way but like he's out there right like he is kind of taking a forward position with this group in some ways I think his his impact is just being himself his presence is a presence just because of who he is. And I mean, we saw it, he committed and four days later, Caleb Burton came along and you start seeing all these other guys pop up with crystal balls. Now, obviously all of them didn't end up as Ohio state guys, but I think what we saw with, when CJ Hicks committed, you saw the rest of the Ohio guys come along. When Desal McCullough committed, it opened the door for the national guys to start showing some interest. When Quinn Ewers committed, that interest turned into, okay, this class might be awesome. It might be the number one class in the country. He is what Travion Henderson was in the 21 class because it changed your mindset of what to expect from this recruiting class. It's not just going to be another top 10 class. It might be historically good. And that's always important to have that. Imagine if you had both of that and they were both from right in your backyard. Is it possible that either Vernon or Montgomery doesn't end up at Ohio State? Like, who are they really battling for those guys? Uh, Notre Dame, West Virginia, Duke, Indiana for Brendan Vernon, and right kind of the same list for, for Luke Montgomery. Now, now, a lot of Midwest schools, obviously with Luke Montgomery, you've seen Florida State and some of the Southern schools start to get involved. It's very early with this 2023 class. Obviously, COVID has skewed up where some of these processes would be right now. If this were a normal situation, Luke Montgomery would probably have more than 19 offers right now, and Brendan Vernon would have more than 11. But given the situation right now, everybody's – Alabama just woke up with their 2023 class and started sending out some offers. And as we talked about on a previous BFF pod, Ohio State's done the same. So, But I, I would expect 
to see the Clemsons, the Alabamas, the Texases, you know, all the big powers to be involved with both of these guys by the time we get to the summer and all the offers are flowing a little bit more at a normal rate. We'll keep an eye on that here at Buckeye Football Futures. We're going to keep an eye also on – man, I said it wrong again. Buckeye Future Fridays. We'll get it. They know it's football. Yeah. It's, it's about <laughs> recruiting it and it's BFF. about Fridays. They know it's football. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That's our tagline. We, we get those T-shirts worked up right after we do the, uh, the Buckeye Talk T-shirts as well. Yeah. But come back to cleveland.com slash OSU every morning for the next few weeks because, like I said, Steven's going to keep putting out those recruiting battles. Whichever one you find, it's going to have a link to all the other ones he's done so far. If you get the most recent one, just we'll keep you guys on top of that. We're going to add probably some maybe to the list at the end of it before it's all said and done. So it's going to be 30, 30, low 30s, somewhere in there that we still have to get through. That's going to take you right through uh, into the start of spring football as well, which is coming up. So keep coming back to cleveland.com slash OSU for all that and keep listening to Buckeye Talk. I'm Nathan Baird for Stephen Means. That was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.